Hello everyone, I'm Steve Wiss and I'm joined by Jonathan for Dugborough and this is the Nordic Football Podcast. We're back to talk about all things uh, Norway and Sweden. So Jonathan, my old friend, uh, how's life treating you? Good day to you, Steve. Good day to listeners. Life's treating me well uh, and I'm happy to be back on the show because we've got plenty to talk about, haven't we? And um, not just you, not just domestic leagues, but Europe as well. Yes, plenty on our plate to, to talk about here uh, in this particular episode. We are going to start in uh, in Sweden, where uh, there's been uh, plenty of matches on recently. And, uh, you know, I was just thinking about this, looking at the table today. It, it looks like there's a real title race uh, on our hands right now. Where a bunch of teams are there at the top of the table. And it's all come about thanks to a little bit of a, a Malmö wobble um john so uh, i mean how do you see things at the uh, top of the arsvenskan right now yeah you bang on there steve they've uh, drawn three games in a row in the league and that has indeed created a few ripples in the in the title race uh, a nil nil draw with ostersunds this past weekend uh, a big surprise in their failure to beat serious um you know in the week before that which I was really quite shocked about, to be honest, a bit failing to beat them at home, and an away draw as well against Garden. So couple that up with a, a draw against uh, AOK two weeks prior to that, and um, there's a few points dropped there for Malmo, the, the uh, title favourites, and that has really allowed three or four teams to get right back into this title race. We've got Oyekor, who have, you know, they're the champions, and they've somehow dug themselves back into this race. Now they're level on points after some good results of, of recent form. Uh, and the one I think that we, you know, a couple we probably should talk about at some point is Jurgarden have just come out of, from nowhere and they've got a game in hand. And if they were to win that game in hand, they're top of the league with 38 points compared to uh, Malmo and Aika and 37. Uh, and the other one that I'm sure we're going to talk about at some point is Hammerby. They are flying and yeah, we'll talk to them about them soon. Yeah, it's all very bunched up at the top. Malmo and AAK on 37 points each. Jurgarten 35 with a game in hand. Hammerby 31. Then you've got Hecken and uh, IFK Jotterborg on 30 each, but they've also got a game in hand. So uh, I'm not sure who these games in hands are against, but you could get a situation where you've got six teams within, what, four points of each other at the top, which is pretty damn crazy, but very exciting, I must say, um, in terms of this. So... Um, Let's talk about AIK because they've really put the pressure on recently. Saw a few tweets recently saying they've actually fielded weakened sides in, in the Arsvenskan because of the uh, Champions League uh, qualifiers' involvement, and it was a bit of a risk for them. Uh, but it doesn't seem to have done them any harm. They've come through comfortably, two nil wins against Helsingborg and, and Sirius. So um, has actually this run of extra games in Europe helped them gain some rhythm? Do you think? I think it's helped them in some ways. Uh, it's maybe sharpened their minds a bit in some in some way. Uh, I think there's, there's been a few transfers as well involving AIK. For example, Daniel Sundgren, which was a very high-profile departure. Um, a lot of uh, rancor there. Um, people not happy about that it's a whole situation, um, which we'll maybe touch on in a minute. But yeah, they just they picked up some good form uh, of late, uh, both in Europe as well, where they managed to come through the uh, open qualifying and you know in the league. With some good results, obviously beating uh, Sirius 2-0, they did the job <clears throat> where Malmo failed, um, beating them away 2-0, beat Helsingborg. They've had a fairly comfortable run as well of late, which I think has, has helped them. 
Kalmar, Elsborg, Helsingborg, Sirius. You couldn't ask for four better games. And the next two games are against uh, ASE Eskilstuna, the worst team in the league, and then Kalmar again at home. So uh, a very nice little run of results following the nil-nil uh, draw with Malmo back in June, um, which would have probably cut them right adrift if they'd lost that one. So this nice little cushion of fixtures has just helped them get back into the race, really. As soon as I started ditching my AIK defenders on the fantasy uh, Arsvenskan, they started winning matches to nil, which is rather typical, isn't it? Um, but yeah, they're, they're in a decent rhythm right now. And, uh, and you know, you're going, like you say, they're um, sneaking up on everyone really yeah, bit by bit. Um, a nice little unbeaten run. I mean, their, their defence is, is their defence a bit underrated, do you think, your garden? Well, I think the whole team. I think the whole team's underrated, and I think nobody has underrated them more than probably myself. I'll be honest. Um, they've just gone a little bit under the radar, but they're doing fantastically well. It really has to be said. And yeah, they're pulling out of the bag again with some some good form. Uh, obviously, they've they've drawn um, some games, but they've beaten Hacken obviously in this most recent round of fixtures. Uh, a two 0 solid result against you know a, a big competitor uh, up there at the top of the table. Um, hacking a little bit weakened, obviously, and they played on Thursday in the Europa League, which probably sapped um, some life out of them, I think. But Eurogarden, once again, just a solid team, doing very well. There's a lot of players that are coming to form. Yes, but Karlström is one, for example, who uh, I think has been quite impressive. And yeah, they, they're, they're just pushing pushing along nicely. Do you see this as a uh, just a three-horse race, uh, uh, John? Or do you think someone like uh, Hammerby or Hecken or even IFK... Jokjaborg could uh, get get into this title race as well. Um, Hacken, I don't think will get into the title race. I think they're slightly too weak, and they've lost a couple of players as well in the in the re recent rounds. Nasir Mohammed has departed uh, for Bulgaria, and um, I think Marvin Selic as well has left. I think that EFCOR with the departure of Benjamin Negrin, and Carl Starfelt as well. They've lost a couple of players there that I think might affect them. So I think a massive factor will be who can keep their players. Um, but ultimately, I, th I would probably look at it as a four-man, four well, four-team title race, really. I think Hammerby, you cannot underestimate them with 40 goals scored. Um, although it's a six-point gap, if they win their game in hand, that's three points. Uh, so I would not rule them out by any means. Your garden, you have to start taking them very seriously now. Um AIK with the best defensive record in the league, as always, and Malmo, who were the you know, top of the league in the favourites. So, yeah, I, I look at those four teams um, as the key players in this title race. Yeah, Hammerby are scoring goals for fun at the moment, and uh, they say 40 on the board already. Uh, defensive record not as strong, but uh, I mean, how long can this offence keep uh, firing, uh, John? I mean, they, I know they've got some players that are linked with moves away uh, from the club. Uh, how important is it that they keep? They finally actually managed to keep a consistent team. You mentioned in the preseason podcast, they're always losing players. They, this is the one time they just need to, well, get everyone on on the book still. Well, they just can't stop scoring at the moment. Unbelievable run of form. Um, six goals against AFC Eskilstuna, six-one winners at this weekend. Five-two winners against Elsborg. 3-2 away at Gifsun's far the week before that. 6-2 against uh, Falkenberg. You total that up, that's 20 goals in four games, which is unbelievable, really. Um, especially when you consider that they've scored 40 goals in the whole season. So they've, they've done that. They've, they've, they've hit half that tally in four games. 
Um, so yeah, they, they, they're really looking good. Players like Kat Kanichlich, um, we have Matankovic, who I wrote about recently in the Y Scout blog, as one is rumored to be maybe leaving, but he's been fantastic of late. Uh, Ima Kalili, uh, Nikola Jurjic, you just look around their team and it's packed full of goals. And, you know, although their defense is always a worry, if you look at it, they've conceded more than double um, Malmo, AIK, and Jurgarden in terms of goals conceded, and way more than even the likes of Hakan, IFK, Jotaborg, even no shopping. You can even push down further down the table. They've conceded way more goals than Kalmar, who were in the relegation playoffs. Um, but it's that ability to score goals for fun that is really pushing Hammerby. And it's an exciting time, especially for their for their fans, really watching such entertaining football. Well, you know what? Goals win football matches, don't they, John? Um, you know, it's an old uh, cliche, but they do win matches. And uh, they're, they're full of goals right now, uh, Hammerby. So a really exciting um, title race. Uh, I'm going to have to ask you, who's going to win the Arsvenskin? Hmm. Well, uh, my pre-season prediction was no shopping, and that's out of the water. So that's not happening. Um, I think at this moment in time, it'd be hard to look over Malmo. I think the European qualifiers have maybe pushed them a little bit. Um, just, you know, they've wobbled slightly, and I think that might be a bit of a distraction for them as well, as we always talk about. They've uh, played Domzali in the um, in the qualifier on Thursday, come out with the draw. Um, but uh, that's knocked them a little bit, I think, and um, that will be a very big factor. But I think with Malmo, their ability to keep players is generally a big plus for them. Uh, whereas if you look at Jurgen, for example, Jesper Karlström is heavily linked with moves abroad. Um, Hammerby, you know, you've got... Uh, Tankovic is linked with moves abroad. Um, Eurogarden obviously always lose, tend to lose players at times. And the other one, AIK as well, they've had a lot of upheaval. Daniel Sundgren leaving, as I mentioned, uh, a key player in their title race before. And there's others who have been you know, rumoured to be leaving. So I think that just gives Ham uh, Malmo the edge for me at this moment in time. Okay, Malmo is the, uh, the prediction from uh, Jonathan for Dougbert to win the Asvenskin at this stage. Now, let's move on to a bit of transfer talk. And uh, now, for those who don't uh, know, we have an association with Y Scout this year, um, in associ association with the Just Football as well, uh, with this uh, topic. And um, we have been doing an article on the Y Scout blog each month. The most recent one was released uh, 10 days ago. Uh, five possible transfers uh, in the Swedish Alsvenskan. Uh, give it a read if you've not already. Um, had a look at that uh, article on the Scout blog, but uh, some very interesting players to talk about uh, in this article. One of them is uh, Muama Tankovic from Hammerby, and uh, he's been having a hell of a season. And uh, well, there's a lot of clubs sniffing around uh, for his services, isn't there, John? Yeah, and it's, I think it's a good time to talk about Tankovic and maybe one or two other names on the list. Obviously, you can uh, check it out on Scout and follow them if you if you don't already. And don't forget to follow us as well at Nordic Footpod as uh, we'll tweet out the latest um, blogs whenever we do them. Another one coming from Steve soon, which will be very interesting, I'm sure. Um, yeah, Tankovic has already um, more than matched his tally for last season where he hit seven goals and four assists. Um, he's now really smashed that, to be honest. Um, at the time of writing, he had, he had six goals and four assists, but he's now improved on that as well um, with the recent form. And yeah, just to just to mention that yeah, Columbus Crew came in for him in MLS. I know you're a fan of um, American football out there, Steve. And they uh, they were trying to sign him, but it didn't quite go through, which is good news for Hammerby. 
And um, well, with the transfer window still open, who knows what's going to happen? But uh, yeah, that's one to look out for because uh, if he was to leave, it would be a, a significant blow for them. He's really, really doing well. Have there been any transfers that have already taken place that have been catching your eye, or has there been fairly unremarkable business so far? <clears throat> yeah, yeah, well, there has been a very major piece of news in the in the league, which is the departure of the league's top goal scorer, Jordan Jordan Larson, who has uh, he was actually in my piece. Uh, I named him as one of the players who could leave, and it's been done, um, pretty much more or less done and dusted. He is off to CSK in Moscow in Russia. Uh, fee rumoured to be roughly around four million euros, um, so a very good, um, you know, bit of business there for Neil shopping for the 22-year-old who's not been there that long really since coming back from uh, NEC Nijmegen in in Holland. Um, but yeah, that's the way of of Sweden, isn't it? Really, at the moment, it just seems like any player who gets on any sort of run of form, uh, they're plucked out of the plucked out of the league almost instantly. Um, Larson, one thing to say about him, obviously, is departing. I think he's really, <clears throat> I think there are a lot of question marks about him when he returned to to Sweden. I think people kind of cast him off as a bit of a failure in, in Holland. Um, there was talks that he, you know, he wasn't happy about his position out there. He wanted to play as a central striker and maybe they wanted him to play more out wide. And, you know, when you come back from a big move, obviously, he was um, he was a bit ridiculed. And obviously, he was previously at Helsingborg where they were relegated with him in the team. So he's really kind of proven himself in Sweden in this last sort of six months, I think. And he'll be happy to sort of get that monkey off his back, really, in terms of, you know, the doubters proving them wrong. 11 goals, um, really good form. Some of his finishing was was exceptional, to be honest. One-touch finishes uh, on his left foot. I was I was very impressed with his form. Um, I wasn't sure about how he would do. I think in the pre-season show, I said that, you know, he'll be hit or miss this season. And I named him as someone who could be a key player for them. Um, and he's really done well. So, yeah, he leaves the league with 11 goals. But, um you know, I'm not sure if he'll be back as well, to be honest, because he, you know, he looks like he's earned that move now, and at 22, he can push on maybe and um, carry on his career in Russia. So, you think he's going to, you know, be a success over in Russia, or will he flop again? Well, I think it's a curious move. I, I don't necessarily think it's the best move for him, really. Um, you know, who am I to judge? I'm not, you know, I'm not saying I'm the, I'm the authority on that, but. Um, I think it's a slightly strange move. I, I would have liked to have seen him see out the whole season. I just, I, I'm never really massively in favour of players moving very quickly, and I don't think he's, you know, I'd like to see him complete the season, maybe finish league top goal scorer. Um, I don't know too much about CSK in terms of what they need, but obviously they're a massive club in Russia, and you know, a very good infrastructure there, um, a good platform for him to go on European football. So, in terms of if it's a good move, it's, a, it's obviously a bigger club than NEC Nijmegen. Um, just, I wonder if he get as much game time maybe um, but but maybe he will a uh, good box player he's very you know fox in the box type and i think he can he can he can thrive i, I certainly think he can uh, adapt to the russian premier league and, and maybe get goals but you just wonder if this is the right time or maybe give it six more months but um good luck to him and i think it's all, all around i think it is a good move to be honest and no shopping get a good bit of cash there to maybe reinvest in their squad which i'll need to it is very much a league where players depart and uh, another one we're going to talk about is Nasiru Mohamed, who I believe has left uh, Hecken now to, uh, to Lesky Sofia uh, of all uh, of all teams. I mean, that's got to be a worry, isn't it, when you're losing players to the Bulgarian league? <laughs> not a fan of Bulgaria, I see. Well, it's not. The, you know, I, I'm not saying it's a Timpot league or anything like that. No, I take your point, yeah. It's not the biggest league, is it? No, it's... but I think Nasir Muhammad. To be fair, he's kind of gone off the boil slightly in um, 
in Hacken, and maybe it was time for him to move on. He he didn't make that many appearances this season for the club, and I'll always have fond memories of him because he was um he was a player that when I was living in Sweden he was he was very prominent for Hacken. He was a very he was one of their star men to be honest, along with uh, Crespo uh, Kamara. Um, he's played two hundred and three games for Hacken, uh, forty two goals, thirty three appearances, and he's only twenty five, so. He's had a very, very good career there. Um, obviously, part of the cup-winning squad as well. And uh, I think at the start of the season, I put him in my fantasy team, expecting him to do to do big things, really. Um, but he, it just hasn't quite worked out. He seems to have maybe not um, been trusted by the new manager. Uh, well, not new now, but he's been there every year. But, you know, just he just gradually sort of fallen down the pecking order, I think. And, yeah, only 12 appearances, which was, you know, I expected more, really. And he didn't, you know, there was a spell of games where he was on the bench. Uh, he was sort of in and out of the team, you know, bench, that kind of thing, taken off early. Um, didn't really contribute a huge amount in terms of goal, one goal, one assist in this season's campaign. So I think they've taken the chance there to just sort of maybe get him out of the squad and, and maybe rejuvenate. But yeah, I'll miss Nasser Mohammed because he was a, a very nice character around the around the squad, very smiley, um, seemed to be a very popular member of the dressing room. Uh, so yeah, it's just a little bit of um, nostalgia there as well, I think. But I don't know how he'll adapt in Bulgaria. I'm not sure how Bulgaria compares to Scandinavian football, to be honest, if it's better or, or, or same level or worse. I'll be honest, I'm not sure either, but um, I don't think it's particularly a great level. But perhaps, you know, it was. I, I was reading uh, here, he says it's time for a new challenge. He, uh, he, he said in a statement, I want to use this opportunity to say a very big thank you to Biko Hacken for a wonderful and memorable seven and a half years. I thank the former club chairman, Dennis Anderson, current chairman Marcus and sports director Sonny Carlson who you once interviewed on the Nordic Football Podcast John so I think it's probably a time for him to move on um, and uh, you know best of luck to him there so uh, yeah, it's interesting that you don't often get players who play 200 games in the Svenskan do you or in, you know in Sweden in one club I mean if you look at Benjamin Negan he, he barely played more than 15 so you know that's a good old innings isn't it oh yeah I mean how many games did Martin Odegaard play in Norway, I mean, yeah. you know what I mean. He's, so really, he's done his time, hasn't he? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he certainly has done his time. So, some um, let's just talk a bit about uh, the transfer uh, rumours regarding Ostersunds. Uh, at the moment, they're the best of the rest. Eighth place, twenty points on the board. A uh, good point against Malmo uh, today, and uh, just lost one of the last six games, but. Uh, there's always plenty of rumours surrounding this club with transfers, isn't there, uh, John? And uh, no different at the moment. Well, they've made a big signing in Blair Turgot, who uh, I think uh, we talked about briefly. Uh, he's come from non-league, in fact, in England, and um, he, he should be an interesting signing, a winger formerly of West Ham's academy. Um, yeah, they have got some players linked in and out. I think Curtis Edwards is a bit of a famous Graham Potter name. He's been there for many years, uh, rose through the ranks. He was recently... Um, it was recently sort of said that he um, he he's, he's announced he won't stay at the club. He's on an outgoing contract, and it looks like he will be leaving to join either Eurogarden or Hammerby, you know, in the coming days or weeks, which is um, interesting. And yeah, there's a couple of others. I mean, Ian Birchall's undergone a bit of a squad overhaul there in recent months, and um, there's been a lot of ins and outs, as you say. What is your mid-season report on Ian Birchall this year? I think, as I said um, in previous shows, a little bit inconsistent at times. 
Uh, I like what he's trying to do with the squad. I think they've got a lot of players of potential. I think it will be interesting to see how um, they adapt. Uh, the last game I watched of Vostersons was against Northshopping when they were absolutely battered, to be honest. I think there's no... I mean, even Ian Birchall said it in his press conference afterwards. They were they were over, overrun uh, and outplayed completely. Um, and a few players did tend to struggle in that match, to be honest. Northshopping just carved through them. They were really, really impressive. And they showed the sort of form to me that suggested, you know, why I, I picked them to maybe challenge for the title because on their day, Northshopping can be really, really ruthless. And they were in that game. Um Ostersons have had some games like that where they just haven't been quite on it um, and they've been up and down, but they've also had games where they've been looked look very, very good. So, yeah, I think uh, that is it. Did you say eighth place? Um, I think that's about right for them. Mid-table is probably where they, they, they deserve to be on the, on the basis of this season. I think one interesting thing there, Steve, that you, you, you mentioned in terms of the league table is there is a quite a big gap appearing, isn't there, between the top seven and the rest? Yeah. Um, yeah. From more shopping to Ostersons is eight points. I know they've I know Ostersons have a game in hand there, but um, if you actually take Northshipping out of the equation, the gap from Ostersons to, to Bick or Hacken in, in sixth place is 10 points. So, um, and, you know, 17 goal swing as well in goal difference. So, yeah, there's a little bit of a two-tier league at the moment, isn't there, really? I definitely noticed that very much so. It seems like the top seven are quite a bit above the rest this season. So, I mean, I guess eighth place wouldn't be a bad finish for, for Ostersons, would it? They, yeah. Uh, yeah, they've been accumulating points, I'll say that. Only one win in 11 games, though, uh, for Ostersons, which is perhaps a little bit of a concern. I don't I know. They, I think they lack a good goal. Sc- I think they lack a, uh, a top goal scorer. Um, I think they've really missed Alan Godos leaving. He was just an all-round brilliant player for the league. Um, I think they haven't quite uh, managed to replace his his goals and assists. Uh, Dino Azamovic has been quite good, and he's, you know, he's in, he was in the blog I wrote, um, maybe being linked to moves to the Championship. But uh, he's only hit five goals, really, which is you know, a decent tally for him, but it's not enough for a team, really, if that's your top goal scorer. You need players contributing a little bit more than that, or you need four or five players scoring five goals, don't you? Not just one. Yeah. So I think that's been a problem for them, really. So um, a couple of other players that you wanted to talk about regarding rumours, uh, Roman Gaul and Jesper Karlström, who are they linked with? Yes, and we've got a very um, prominent uh, follower on Twitter who, tends to follow American players in, in, in the Scandinavian leagues. And he has been, we've talked about in the Romain goal a couple of times. And I think he was a player mentioned in pre-season that he could, he could have a you know a very good season, but it's not, it's not happened for him at all under Uwe Rosler. They seem to have just fallen out completely, really. Um, and Gaul has come out and said that he, he'd be open to a transfer now. He said, I think the, the straw that broke the camel's back, so to speak, was the, um, the Balimina games. He didn't, he didn't appear much at all in those, Europa League ties where Mamo absolutely destroyed Palomina to be fair um, and Romain Gaul came after, out after that and said you know if I'm not going to be playing games then it's time for me to leave this club he said he, he wants to stay um, in Sweden and he certainly I think there's been rumours he might go to America but he said he doesn't want to go to America at this stage um, but he said if he doesn't play more games he may have to consider his future which is a shame because I think last season he showed glimpses that he could really be a breakout player in this league um, but Uwe Rosler just doesn't seem to maybe fancy him for, for whatever reason. Uh, I'd like to see him loaned out maybe um, to another club in the league or you know, maybe signed by another club in the league. I think he's got a lot of potential there. But um, yeah, it looks like he could maybe be one for the um, outgoing transfer. Um, quickly on Uwe Rosler as well. Um, there's something I want to talk about that happened last week was uh, the serious game. Did you, did you see that, Steve? The, 
the press conference. They did see that. I mean, I, I must say, I was surprised to see both managers in the press conference together. I mean, who on earth thought of that idea? Yeah, it happens all the time, yeah. I, I never realised it actually occurred. Um, whether it's a good or a bad idea, I don't know, but it just seems a very weird idea to me. But, um, uh, yeah, um, it seemed like he uh, was uh, kind of antagonising the serious uh, manager a bit. Yeah, indeed. And um, it was well, a very interesting situation where he, the, the uh, serious managers took a bit of an umbrage with Uwe Rossler saying, you know, he came across a bit, a bit, a bit patronising, didn't he, man? He, he said, well done for, you know, getting a point at Malmo, which was taken a bit um, the wrong way by the manager who came out and said, well, no, I want three points. And just got a little bit tetchy, didn't it, between the two of them? And, uh, you know, he said, I wanted three points. And then Uwe Rosler replied, I, I don't think you deserve three points from that game. And um, then he said, I don't think you should be commenting on, uh, I don't think you should be t talking to us as if we, you know, don't deserve, you know, one point. And it just got very, got very tasty, didn't it? It looked like at one point they might come come to blows or something. Yeah, I mean quite American, wasn't it? I mean, you get this in like American sports um, in, in sort of uh, after game uh, interviews. I mean, it was different. It was interesting, wasn't it? I mean, the, let's be honest, 80, 90 percent of the post-match interviews in football are an absolute load of bullshit. And it's, all, it's just the same old question. Some of the questions asked are absolutely pathetic as well. I don't know what it's like in Sweden, but certainly over here in England, you've got that numpty from Sky Sports who, uh, not Jeff Shreves, but... Um, he just winds people up, but the other guy, I forget what he's called. Um, and it's just, you know, questions that are useless. And, um, you know, it was actually, I quite like seeing something a bit different there, you know, where the actual the managers are interacting. Well, the the uh, serious manager definitely, definitely um, verbally gave as good as he got in that, in that, in that little tussle. But yeah, Uwe Roth has come in a little, a little bit of pressure of late and the draw with Mal Ostens as well. He, he praised, um, Osterson's goalkeeper Ali Kaito and said he's had the best game he'll ever have the game of his life, and um, he's just showing maybe a little few signs of maybe arrogance or call it's, it some people might call it arrogance, some people might call it signs of strain. Um, just not been too happy with some of his results, I guess, at late, and um, looks like maybe it's getting to him a bit. Yeah, um, it's a bit of pressure there for Uwe Rossler, and there's a little bit of pressure down the bottom of the table for certain teams right now. It's interesting we talk about Malmo because they've only lost one match all season. Can you remember who that was against? Gif Sundsvall. Gif Sundsvall. Now, back then, obviously, Gif were flying high because they'd also drawn against Jorgan. But since then, they've only won one match. Um, the last time they actually got three points was the 29th of April against uh, Falkenberg. And it's been a horrible run since. Uh, I'm just counting up now. Uh, loads of defeats. Uh, four, five... Nine defeats in their last 12 games uh, for Gif for Sundsvall. And now it's caught up with them. They're in the bottom three after a, a recent defeat to Falkenberg. What's going on at Sundsvall, John? I know you've been worried about them for quite some time. And uh, is this the year they go down? Well, this 2019 season has been a tale of a tale of woe for Gif Sundsvall of late. And, um, you know, we praised them last season for their entertaining football they, they've been a, a joy to watch in the last season, um, but it's really hit the rocks at, uh, in 2019, as we've said. Like you mentioned here, they beat they beat Malmo and they looked very good at that point. Linus Hellenius was scoring goals. Uh, you had Batanero in the central midfield pulling strings, a player who's completed more passes than any player in the league, by the way, um, by, by some distance. Um, you know, you had the defence looking quite mean at times. Uh, Jonathan Tamimi was looking good, but 
you know, he's he's a sort of symbol, I think, of their season, really. He's been quite poor. Uh, and the team in general has just been quite poor, Steve. Uh, Escalina as well, the goalkeeper has since left, um, been transferred out of the league. A lot of their best players have left, and even um, their best coaches have left, one of them joining uh, EF Coyoteberg, who, you know, brought in this sort of Spanish influence of, um, you know, tiki-taka style football that they've been playing for the last year or so. And they just, yeah, it's just not happened for them. They're getting, they seem to struggle more and more of late. And I really do worry for them, actually, Steve, that they've been defeated in their most recent game. Um, and that is a massive blow. I think they lost, well, they lost two in like Falkenberg, which really, that is a game they should not be uh, losing as a six-pointer almost in terms of relegation. And that's put them three points clear. Falkenberg are three points clear now of Gibson, so with a game in hand. So, yeah, you definitely have to worry about them. And another, another team that you maybe have to worry about is uh, Kalmar, who we always joke they're in 11th place in this league. Well, they're not anymore. They're uh, down in 14th. They've lost four straight. They can't score a goal for love, no money, can they? Um, uh, shocking goal-scoring record down there towards the uh, bottom of the table. But, uh, I mean, as I say, Sundsvall and, and Kalmar are a concerning uh, sort of... Uh, duo uh, right now but uh, I mean in terms of Sundsvall was this expected uh, of them this year what really is the the core of the problem there well they they concede goals for fun at the moment 28 conceded that's one of the worst tallies you know in the league really um not great not great um and they just they do score goals I mean obviously 18 isn't amazing it's one per game on average but um you know it's not not it's not fantastic is it I mean, it's, it's all right for down the bottom of the table, but it's not all right for where they want to be, which is probably mid-table. I think they're really struggling at, at both ends of the field, really. I think their style of play just isn't quite coming off as it was before. Um, I think they lack maybe a focal point. They've brought a couple of new Spaniards into the team, uh, one of them called Paul Roig, who's, uh, I think he was formerly at um, Real Mallorca, I believe. He was at a couple of big clubs in Spain at one point. Uh, he, he should add some tenacity to their front line. But yeah, it's you know, and the thing, other thing to bear in mind, they've actually played 18 games this season. So although a lot of the teams down the bottom, for example, Kalmar have played 16, and they're two points ahead. So you know, I'm not saying Kalmar will win both games, but you know, they, they've got a chance there to pull well clear of Gifson's foul. Uh, Falkenberg have got a game in hand. A win there would put them six points clear of them. You know, Helsingborg game in hand, Ordebrug game in hand, uh, AFC Eskos doing a game in hand, and the level on points. So if all those teams even got a point or two in their next couple of games, in their games in hand, Gibson's will be rock bottom of the league. So it's worrying times for Joel Seedegren. And in fact, the, the board have come out and said, that, you know, the dreaded vote of confidence. So, you know, it's it's worrying times for them. I think they need, they've had financial troubles, but of, of late, you know, the sale of Hellenius has allowed them to, to, to buy a few. Um, and I think that's given them some room for manoeuvre. But they need to be very good in the transfer window, I think, to um, pick up some players in the squad that can maybe just carry them through for the rest of the season. Yeah, I mean, just looking at the uh, the table, I mean, I'm, I am very concerned about uh, these three at the bottom right now. Kalmar, we know there's quite a few fans that follow us on this podcast. What is the problem there? Tweet, it, tweet into us um, what the issues are. What is the actual solution as well for Kalmar fans? Um, you know, AFC Eskos, you know, there. It feels like every time they're in this league, they're rock bottom, John. I mean, the last time, of yeah. course, they had uh, Michael Jolly in charge and the situation's just as vile right now isn't it uh, compared to a couple of years ago so um i mean which three team which two teams are going to get relegated john automatically do you think 
well, it's tough to say, but you know, there's one thing about AFC Eskilstuna, they've been, they've been beastly form uh, of late, to be honest. Um, they don't look good at all to me. I think they probably, I thought they would stay up in the preseason show. I thought they, they showed a lot of good signs in the um, in the Svenska Kuppen. Um, they look quite good in the cup, obviously getting to the final um, and seeing off AIK, but they've been really, really poor. Um, ghastly, in fact, you know, 14 goals scored, 32 conceded. They don't seem to be able to sort of put, put together any kind of form for love nor money. What I don't like about AFC Eskilstuna is I think their recruitment stinks. Um, I think they just buy random. I, they look to me like a, a club who is completely agent driven. You know, it looks to me like, you know, maybe two or three random agents from different countries send them their dead wood and they buy them. You know, look at if you go through their squad list, it's just completely complete journeyman. I can't see what they're doing with the squad. Um, I mean, Dennis Kozak is a good loan signing from Eurogarden. Uh, you know, Nemanja has been a good player. I think he, he's he struggled though, but you know, he's shown some glimpses. You know, they've got some loan players who are good as well. Adi Nalic, for example, who's done well in fantasy football. But just a lot of the players just seem to be so random to me, Steve. Just completely random. Sandro Tsvebar, they've just bought now from the Russian second division, I believe. Um, who Who is he? Who knows? He played some youth games for, for Russia. But, you know, there's just a lot of random players. I don't get, you know, are they scouting these players? Or, you know, it screams to me, um, you know, just recommendations. Uh, the manager, Nemanja Miljanovic, just hasn't seemed to be able to put together a run. Um, I wonder who's doing their recruitment. Obviously, batted six-one at the weekend. Just meh, mm. not not nice. I really, I really fear for them. Um, they need to sort of jail some sort of squad. And another big blow for them was the loss of um, the key centre back, Felix Michel, who's gone to AIK. You know, and he was one of the few players who actually he was quite good for them. So yeah, worrying times for AFC Eskilstuna, which will probably please most of Sweden, seeing as they're one of the most hated teams in the league. All right, well, we're going to take a little bit of a break. Uh, after the interval, we're going to be talking about uh, the European uh, results involving Norwegian and uh, Swedish clubs and uh, a little bit talk on the Norwegian latest topics as well. So join us after the break for more. Welcome back to the Nordic Football Podcast, uh, episode number, I think, 11. We are going to talk now about Europe, which is a touchy subject for anyone who's uh, of British persuasion with uh, just a few months left till we leave Europe. But uh, in football terms, it's still going on. And the Scandinavian teams have many challenges ahead of them in the next few weeks. We've had the first qualifying rounds done and there was a couple of teams failed to cross that hurdle. Uh, cough brand um but many of them came through and where are we at now steve i mean i want to start with what i thought was a massive result really which was haugesund um beating sturm Graz of austria uh, i saw the scenes in that game steve and the fans were giving it some serious love in the stands you know there was real dancing around and the players were dancing with the fans it looked really 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 good for haugen i've got a bit of a soft spot for them so let's start there yeah i mean this was a big shock um I mean, as you know, many of you do know, I'm a betting tipster, um, and I, I know a lot of uh, professional gamblers out there. And uh, I mean, I personally don't usually bet on European matches because I don't know enough about the opposition. But I did see a couple of well-renowned tipsters um, bet on 
Sturm Gratz uh, in this game. And uh, the main reason is because Hargerson are missing players to injury, suspension, whatever you want to call it. They didn't field a particularly strong eleven, but uh, they fully deserve this 2-0 win against Sturm Gratz. Um, a big shock. And I mean, 2-0 win at home is massive in Europe, isn't it? Um, no away goal conceded. Um, I mean, I, I was really surprised that this happened, but they just delivered an unbelievable performance. And, uh, you know, fair play to them. I just hope they get the business done in the second leg now, uh, really. You know, one goal and Sturm Graz is going to have to score four times. How likely do you think it is that they will be able to um, go to Austria and maybe get a, a positive result? Or is it, you know, I don't know what the odds were, for example, for, for, for the first leg, but, um, you know, how likely do you think it is that they can complete the job? Um, every chance. I mean, it wasn't like Sturm Graz were odd, massively odds on or anything like that. Um, I just think the expectation was that they would have enough strength in this first leg against the Hagerson, um 11 that were fielded. The Austrians looked undercooked. Um, I mean, their season has only just started. I think they've had the first round. Um, you know, they're going to have to improve on that uh, first leg performance. I mean, the big concern is if Hagerson can get themselves an away goal, like I said, then Sturm Graz are going to have to score four times. Um, and that's the key. I mean, Hagerson, if they score, that they're going to go through, in my opinion. But if they don't, then it leaves the 2-0, 3-0 scoreline open, doesn't it? And that would be the big concern for me if they got steamrolled. So, um, well, there was a very interesting comment from... Uh... Their manager, Jos Stein Grinhaug, who said he is not going to allow the team to suck on the caramel for too long after one of the biggest nights in their history. Uh, quite like that turn of phrase there. Um, but yeah, he said, you know, we could lose 5 0 in Austria. Um, today's struggle means very little. We have slipped the lemon for almost a month, although I think that's probably a translation <laughs> thing. But yeah, he said, the way the team has battles has really impressed me. I'm very pleased with the performance and travelling to Graz with a 2 0 win is the best we could have hoped for before this game. He's sent a bit of a message of caution there, you know, and he says that they're going to have to be very, very careful and could even lose 5 0. What are your thoughts on that, Steve? I mean, is that a motivational tool or is that kind of a. I, I just realised. Yeah, I mean, I'm really worried about their match at the weekend. I'm going to bet against them, whoever they go. I think it's Starbeck away. They're going to be battered and bruised just three days after a trip to Graz. I think they're going to have to forget about the Elite Assyrian for the next few weeks if they make it through to the next round. And they've just got to focus on this Europe and, and try and get players back fit. It could be one of their magical runs, sort of unexpected runs that develop. Um, uh, you know, good words from the manager there. I think um, you know they've had a good win, but they it means nothing if they don't go through to the next round, does it? And I don't know how much money it would be worth for them to to make it the next qualifying round, but I'd imagine there'd be a few hundred thousand uh, euros uh, involved there, John, wouldn't you? Well, yeah, I mean, I think I read somewhere that Connors Key Nomads, for example, who beat Kilmarnock, I think I read that they have made 647,000 euros so far from uh, just that one European qualifying win, uh, all, all things considered. So qualifying to the next round will be worth even more to a club like Haugesund. Um Funnily enough, they're in exactly the same predicament as Ostersund's, uh, eighth in the league with 20 points. Uh, so, what are your thoughts on their season overall so far? And um, how's my boy Bruno Laite doing? Is he still there? Yeah, he's uh, you know he's he's doing all right there, and uh, they've had injury problems. Uh, still, their best player Alexander Sturlas is out for the season. They had the drugs incident with uh, the doping test that went wrong for um, the uh, striker uh, Vaji, and um, but they're, they're hanging in there, and. Uh, 
you know, Ibrahim Kone has come in and uh, done a good job up front for them, scoring a few goals. I mean, they hammered Trumpster in that last uh, Elitis Arian game, I must say, and they could have had about 10 goals in that match. Um, they're just in a really good phase, you know, where, you know, sometimes teams are just... This, this, the, the real good attitude of next man steps up sort of thing, you know. Forget about what's happening on paper. On the field itself, they're delivering the goods. And, uh, you know, I think everyone in Norway is wishing them well too. You know, it's um, it's hard for fans to get behind Rosenborg and Molder in Europe. But uh, I think... Do, maybe, any, do you have any idea who they could get in the next round? Were they to, were they to progress? Not actually looked at the draw for the next round. But, um, you know, it's uh, obviously whoever it is. I'd imagine probably quite a decent side potentially. I think is the drawing been done for the next round? Yeah, yeah, it probably would have. Been. Yeah, I think it has. There's either or, obviously, but um, yeah, I think it has. Let's let's move on anyway. I mean, obviously, the big story was Brand being eliminated. Stephen, we had um, SK Brand English, didn't we, on the show uh, in a recent podcast? Well, it all went horribly wrong for them, didn't it? It's shit. I mean, they might as well have been um, Shame Rock Rovers, really, for Brand. <laughs> They're uh, absolute disgrace getting knocked out by an Irish side. Um, you know they they, they lost the uh, second leg two one. Uh, first leg was a two all draw, and they actually got it went to head uh, with half an hour to go in the second leg in Ireland, but uh, they couldn't get the business done. Just like the last time in uh, they were in Europe, they they just flopped miserably. So uh, really poor that you know they they were one to three favourites to win the home leg and they lost and they drew that so. Disappointing from Brand's point of view. I mean, they, they won against Starbeck just a few days later in the league, which kind of maybe softens the blow a little bit. But, you know, you work hard all year and they finish third in the league. A nice little European invention of the year later and they're out of the first hurdle. Must be absolutely gutting as Brand fans, really, to, to go so early as that. But mm. call it a disgrace, really. Well, from Shamrock Rovers to just, just a sham, really, uh, for Brand. Yeah. Yeah. Let's move on to Sarpsborg. Um, although they've not been in Europe, they did quite well last season, didn't weren't they? And they were a bit of a blueprint for other sides to sort of maybe to maybe look at and uh, replicate their model. But um, you know, before we talk about them, because I know you want to talk about their, some of their transfers, um, let's continue on the European front with Rosenborg and Molder because they're the two who maybe can carry the can for Norwegian teams. How are they looking, Steve? Well, Molder drew nil nil. Uh, at home uh, in on the Thursday night, and I forget the exact name of this team. I'm actually looking it up now, but um, it was a funny old game because they absolutely murdered them in the uh, first half. Did Molder? Uh, it was a team from uh, Serbia called um, Kukarici, and uh, you know it looked at half time like in the second half they'd kick on and win probably one or two nil. The the, the Serbians offered absolutely one call. And uh, but then the, after the break, they were actually lucky not to concede an away goal. Um, I thought yeah. it was an even game of football, um, really. So, I mean, the, the positive thing is they kept the clean sheet. Um, a nil nil draw is not actually a bad result at home in Europe, is it really? And from what I saw in the first half, if they actually play properly and convert their chances, then they should be able to get enough. But it's got to be concerning that you again you don't win at home as a one to three favorite. And, you know, I've also noticed a pattern with Molder that there's too many games this year that have been dominant in, in phases and just not converted their dominance. And it's starting to catch up with them a little bit. There's too many missed chances or wrong decisions in the final third. And, um, you know, they may well get away with it, but they don't want to be getting knocked out by 
a team uh, called Cooker Richie for crying out loud, do they? Yeah, that'd be pathetic. But uh, you know, nil nil is not the end of the earth, is it? No, but it would certainly leave them, um, you know, going going a bit cloud cuckoo land if they weren't if they weren't to get into that next stage. Um, Mulder just maybe wobbling slightly of late. What about the big boys, Rosenborg? Yeah, I mean the Champions League uh, tie against Bate Borosov. Um, they lost it two one the first leg away from home. Pretty unlucky actually by all accounts to lose that game. They were probably the better team in the in, in the game. And um, yeah, two one away from home is is you you'd sign up for that, wouldn't you? Most days they got an away goal. You know, a one nil victory would see them through to the next round. Um, you know, from what I saw in that first leg, I think they probably have enough against Bate Borosov, but. Um, just a question. Don't want to concede a stupid goal. Keep that clean sheet intact, which always would give them a strong edge, you know. But it's a sort of match. Would it be a shock if it went to extra time, two-one? Not really, would it? But um, the uh, it's really interesting to see what the potential matchup would be in the next round, actually. And it could be a Norway Norway against Sweden clash because AIK um, are in. Uh, in that other uh, bracket against uh, Maribor, John? Yeah, well, it all kicked off in this game, uh, AIK. Um, their European run really has been exemplified by Daniel Sungren, who I mentioned uh, earlier in the show in the first half of the pod. Uh, it all kicked off because he had an arranged transfer to Aris in Greece. And part of it was that he didn't want to appear in Europe um, because he didn't want to be cup-tied. And it ended up with AIK effectively rescinding his contract uh, in advance, you know, like a week or so in advance. Which you know all fell apart really. It was very strange and a bit of a sad end for Sungren, who put out a big statement about everything, saying that he, you know, his integrity remains, and um, you know he, he was obviously very hurt by it. And he said it had mentally affected him, um, the whole the whole Ferrari. Um, I think that's distracted the club a little bit, but they've 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 managed to sort of uh, you know set themselves up fairly nicely. Um, we could be looking at ARK reasonable, which would be very interesting considering we had a big discussion about the. Royal League in the last podcast and, you know, the Scandinavian League potential, uh, which you can still listen to, obviously, dig into iTunes and uh, or Spotify and have a little listen um, to that episode and that discussion. But, yeah, it's, um, you know, AIK did okay. Both games were 2-1, weren't they, Steve? So we'll see kind of what happens. Um, but, yeah, just on, on that one as well, if, um, if they do go through, they... Haugerson, sorry, we mentioned that earlier. If Haugerson were to go through, they would actually play one of uh, Baal or where is it now? PSV, which would be massive for Haugerson. Oh, wow. Well, that would yeah, be. So, um, they've got everything to play for there, really. Um, but yeah, and also in Mulder, just to, just to sort of touch on that one, if they were to go through, they would play. Um, they would have a, a game against Aris which would obviously be potentially Daniel Sundgren's European debut for the club, uh, or AEL Limassol from Cyprus. So, winnable to play for in those games. Yeah, very winnable tie, that one, for, for, for Mulder. I must say, if they did get through, it's a nice draw they've got. And obviously, a massive pot of gold at the end of the rainbow for uh, Hargerson there against, uh, well, probably PSV uh, Eindhoven. You would, I know, PSV Bar, that was 3-2 first leg, wasn't it? That's the Champions League qualifier, isn't it? Um Oh yeah, they of course the losers would go into um, into the Europa League draw, wouldn't they? So uh, probably Baal would be perhaps the favourites there. But uh, yeah, big uh, nice reward for them, whatever. So uh, any other results that we need to talk about here? Um, yeah, well, we mentioned Domzali drew two two with uh, Malmo, 
So that one's wide open, obviously, going back into the second leg. Malmo players uh, in, in the recent games. So, you know, they're obviously looking to be fit for that, which which has kind of backfired in the league to a certain extent. But um, I set them up maybe quite nicely for Europe. Um, and I think also Hacken is one we want to talk about, don't we, Steve? Um, yeah. They played AZ Alkmaar and they managed to get a nil-nil draw, which was, for me, a really, really good result for Hacken. I mean, if anyone remembers last season, they, they were 4-0 down in the first leg. Uh, in their in their game against the Red Bull side, but um, this year they've come back and done okay, uh, and they've got a very creditable draw, clean sheet, no um, no away goal for them unfortunately, but they can go back to Gothenburg with confidence really. And uh, AZ didn't really show too much, I'll be honest. That's you know, big shock, isn't it? I mean, AZ were at home in that game. I mean, I know that's that's. Some, I mean, I don't know what the odds were there. I'm guessing they were a pretty short price to win, but that that's a hell of a result for for Hecken. I mean, whether or not they can convert it, I don't know. But that would be along the lines of sort of Ostersunds the other year when they knocked out Galatasaray, wouldn't it? Yeah, and I actually fancy them, to be honest. I mean, AZ Alkmaar, I know the Dutch league has is, is, had problems in recent years. and The level is slightly dipped, I think, below the big sort of three teams. Um, I didn't see much from AZ Alkmaar in a nil-nil draw. You know, they created a few chances, but... But Hacken, you know, were good value, I think. And I think they could go in, like I say, with, with real confidence. Um, the winners of that game would play Mario Paul from Ukraine. So, you know, if they can get through AZ, they'd fancy themselves maybe. Well, Ukraine is obviously a completely different prospect. But, um, yeah, they're, they're not out of that one whatsoever. So, good result, really. And uh, it's one other thing I want to talk about. We were on about the Royal League uh, the other uh, in the last podcast. If, uh, if, and it is a big if, um, HJK Helsinki can get past the Red Star Belgrade. Unfortunately, they did lose the first leg 2 0, although that was away from home. Then they would be facing uh, FC Copenhagen, who uh, I don't think they're going to be troubled by the Welsh outfit, um, the New Saints, is it? Uh, they won 2 uh, 0 away from home. I don't think the Welsh side even had a shot on goal. So uh, I think we can presume that FC Copenhagen are through. It'd be interesting, wouldn't it, to see. FCK against uh, HJK and then also the Norway Norway against Sweden clash. Uh, yeah, funny enough, I've got some friends going to that game. They took they decided to take a random game, and they asked me what what stadium they should go to. And um, they well, I actually advised them to go to Norway or Sweden, but they ended up going to choose Denmark. So um, shows how much they listen to me. But uh, yeah, they, they they'll be at that game. So so good luck, and I hope it's a, a good game there. Um, yeah, and two more teams to just very quickly. I mean, I know we mentioned AIK, but. I didn't quite complete what I was saying there. They, they lost 2-1 to Maribor, but obviously got an away goal. So, you know, they can go back to Stockholm with some some confidence. Maybe Henrik Goitem uh, got a, you know, an equaliser, but they lost 2-1. Uh, and I think the other one to talk about, obviously, is Neur Shopping, who in the Europa League qualifiers beat Lee Padja from, I think, Lithuania um, or Latvia. You know, Latvian. And, uh, yeah, they will probably feel like they can go away and, and, and complete the job there. Uh, and in that game, Jordan Larson was dropped quite dramatically before the match because the transfer had just been agreed to CSKA in Moscow. So yeah, they managed to win that game without him with Haksabanovic on, on the score sheet as well. So yeah, uh, that's a, that's the wrap for um, Europe. Before we finish this podcast, Steve, I want to ask you about some Norway transfers. Mm. Because there's not any football, has there? You seem to be on a constant break in the Norwegian league. Do you, do you ever play football? They've been, you know, on and off the field like anything, haven't they? This year, it's been pretty crazy. I mean, there were a couple of games, uh, just two matches a weekend or so ago, where two on wins for Bran and Mulder. But, yeah, a lot of teams have been having to stop, start, stop, start. But 
as of this weekend, there's going to be uh, the only couple of breaks before the end of the season will be the international window. September and October. Seem to be on and off the field uh, more often than New Zealand batsmen at Lords there, Steve. <laughs> yeah. More more often than uh, than what will be Australian batsmen in the next uh, six weeks, John. But yeah, I mean, what is going on in, in Norway at the moment? I mean, I know we're transfer season's open. We talked a little bit about transfer season in in, uh, in Sweden, and I know you've got uh, your blog coming up, which I'm very much looking forward to for Y Scout. Can you give us maybe one or two names that you know we should keep an eye on in this market? Is anyone maybe going to be looking to move to bigger leagues? Well, the blog um, will contain uh, some players that uh, have already left the league. A couple of players uh, that I, I suppose I'm going to have to talk about because I'm not going to be able to talk about them again. And that is uh, Chidera Juka from uh, Valarenga. He's gone to Hiramvin for nearly €2 million. Euros. Um, I think he's going to be an absolutely tremendous signing there for, for the uh, Dutch team. He can go all the way to the top. Um, real shame to see him leave the league. He's one of my favourite players. And uh, that could look an absolute bargain price, really. To be brutally honest, I think Valerie could have done with getting about double that money for him. Um, so he's one player that's gone. And also Tobias Burkait uh, has gone from Starbeck to uh, Brunderby, the uh, Danish side, for uh, over a million euros. Um I mean, in terms of, it's not been a lot happening though, really, in this window so far, which is to be expected. There's um, still a long, a few weeks, a couple of weeks left, and mostly it happens on deadline day, just like it does over here in uh, in the UK. But so Sarpsborg have been pretty active, actually. They're the team that are really, and you can see why, because they're obviously in the bottom uh, three right now and going much worse than they expected. But they've sold their goalkeeper, Alexander Vazutin, to Zenit St. Petersburg. Now, here's the laugh for you. They actually signed him from Zenit St. Petersburg for a free about a year and a half ago. So they paid 700,000 euros on him just in that space of time. I mean, I don't know what on earth Zenit are thinking. They suddenly want him back now. But um, So he's gone, and replacing him is a guy from uh, the French League, Alexander, Alexandre Letelier from Angers, um, a player I'm very familiar with, actually. Um, what I would call a good backup keeper in French football. Um, he should be a very able starter for Sarpsborg uh, in uh, in the Elite Serien. So uh, they do have a bit of a French connection, actually, to Sarpsborg. They, it was a time when uh, they signed uh, ex-Nice -Nice player Alexis Bassetti, if you remember that one, John. Uh, but they've also gone in for Lenny Nangis, uh, ex-Car. Oh, yeah, I remember him at Car. Yeah, do you remember Nangis? Uh, I mean... That is quite a big signing, you know. I mean, remember him back in the day. He's the player that cost millions of pounds for Lille. And, um, you know, he's not quite... He's achieved his potential. But, um, you know, he could he could potentially be lethal in the elite area and could uh, not reach. So he looks a very good signing for Sarpsborg. I'll be honest, I, never, I never really quite fancied him, but, um, you know, that big money move. I, mm. I always thought he was a little bit raw at car. He didn't quite, you know... It reminded me of Mbaye Niang as well came through together, didn't they? And um, I always thought he was just a little bit short of maybe a real quality player. But I think in Norway, that would be really fascinating, actually. I'm, I'm interested to see how he does that. That's that's, that's a good signing, I think. Uh, it's a good signing. I mean, Salzburg have been active both in and out. I know a player that you quite liked uh, the other week, Sheldon Baccio. He's uh, moved on to 
Belgian side uh, Mechelen. Um, I don't really know. I don't, there's no, I mean, on transfer mark, the fee is a question mark. So I don't know if it was a free transfer or they got money for him. Um, but transfer mark knows. Not right now. So I guess we'll find out, won't we? But undisclosed, I suppose, is the best thing. Well, be that's uh, some signing, isn't it? And for Hero being potentially, from what you've said there, really, mm. that's high praise from you, Steve, isn't it? Uh, I remember you being very positive about Adik Benro in that, in that similar way. So. He's to keep an eye on him in, in the Dutch league. Mm. Um, before we go, I've got a couple of players I wanted to ask you about. One of them is Hakon Evian at Buda Glimt because there's been some rumours. And, um, you know, he's one of those players. Buda Glimt have had a fantastic season, really, haven't they? Um, doing so well in the league. What's what's his situation? I know he's scored roughly four or five goals this season um, in the league. Four goals for Buda. There's rumours. under 20 World Cup squad. So what's what's his outlook? Well, yeah, I mean, Buda Glimt are obviously paying for their success now because there's a lot of rumours with players leaving, you know, Layuni, uh, Bjorkian at the back. I think uh, even the goalkeeper, Ricardo Friedrich, was linked with um, a bigger club uh, recently as well. So, I mean, Akon Evian is obviously probably the most one of the most sought-after young talents in the Elitisarian right now. He's uh, shown a very spectacular side to his game, but he's a good all-round winger, really. Fantastic at tracking back, um, very pacey player, great physically and, and, and very intelligent as well um, in terms of positioning. So, you know, I can see why he's um, a talent that's sought after. It's a, just a shame for Buda Glimp because if this was a player, for example, at Leeds United, where... Um, we uh, with Jack Clark situation where we sold him to uh, Spurs, but we got him loaned him back for the rest of the, for this season, which is kind of useful because you know he can do a, a job for you. It'd be great for Buda Glimt if they could sell him and then loan him back for the rest of the season and you know maybe finish second in the league or something. But if a de any decent reputable club isn't going to want to loan him back in in Norway, are they? So I think um, I have no idea where he might end up. But he look at some of these. Swedish transfers where uh, you know, Belgium often come knocking, don't they, for Scandinavian players? Maybe that's an area he could end up going. But um, look, I think it'd be a bit of a surprise if they kept him now, to be honest. I is, there any, is there any team in particularly, um, you know, favourite to sign him? No, not really. I mean, it could be anywhere, mate. I mean, Belgium, I think, if I had to stick my neck on the line right now. But, um, you know, it'd be nice to see him stay in the league, at least if it was a loan transfer. But um, he's, there's not enough. I'll be honest with you, the cupboard's a little bit bare these days in, in Norway. You get the odd exceptional talent like Brant Haaland and that, but um, it's not as... Uh, the, the shelves aren't as stacked as much as they were, say, five years ago. So when someone decent does come along, they stick out like a sore thumb, don't they? And, and Evian is one of those examples. So... That's why I think these players tend to move on quicker than normal. We talked about this earlier in Sweden. It's because there's not as many of them coming through, and when they do come, they're out of there like uh, you know, like a shotgun. Yeah, no, so it's interesting to get your thoughts on that, Stephen. Yeah, I haven't seen too many, you know, room, in terms of rumours, I haven't seen too many clubs strongly linked with him. So, you know, maybe they might be able to keep hold of him in, in the end, but uh, he's certainly going to be one nil that will be watched. I want to ask you about another player now, and that is Alex Dyer, who has been a completed transfer. He seems to sort of um, dart from Sweden to Norway 
uh, faster than sort of imported goods between the two countries, doesn't he? Um, so yeah, he's back. Maybe he's got a couple of wives. I don't know, but um, he. Uh, I mean, Blonde. lives up to his name a bit, really. Um, I'm afraid, from what I saw of him in 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 Lillestrøm, Dyer by name, Dyer by nature. Um, look, he just he never caught the eye doing anything much. He was given enough starts at the early part of the season, and the manager just preferred other players. In the end, he was kind of uh, phased out at Lillestrøm. Just simply because he wasn't doing enough good things, really. He just looked a bang average, sort of below average, mediocre player, really. And, um, you know, he didn't stick out in my mind as being anything much. So I don't really see it being a, a gain for, for Elfsborg, I don't think, really. Well, he, he's been at the club before. Um, so, you know, they'll, they'll know all about him. <clears throat> just didn't seem to work out for him in, um, in Norway, has it, really? I mean, oh. he's an English player. Mm. He joined the league many years ago, 29 now. So he's, he's you know, he's been around. Well, I think his nationality is Montserrat, but you know, I think he came from maybe English leagues. Just not quite worked out from there, or what's you know what's been wrong? Because he he was at Ostersunds as well, uh, having moved from Welling United for non-league back in the day, and he seems to have forged a career for himself in 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 Scandinavia with five years in the league, uh, well, in the two leagues. But um, Lillestrøm just never really quite worked at it. I think the problem is you can talk the talk, can't you? But at some point you've got to walk the walk. And to be brutally honest, I think he's fairly crap. Um, maybe he's not as good as he thinks he is, or maybe he's just a sort of player who can't settle down. Maybe he needs to just go down a little bit, another level where he can actually be more of a Betty Big Bollocks, really. Um, you know, just he can't seem to settle very well. Um, I'm not saying he... He must obviously have ability. He's done in the past, but... Sometimes you can get ahead of yourselves, can't you? So, um, you know, I wish him well. But, um, he, look, the, that Lillestrøm side is not the greatest team in the world, John. And if you can't get yourself as a regular starter in that lineup, then I think you've got problems. Well, he got two goals, two assists in uh, 17 games, 13 starts for Elsborg in his previous uh, Elsvenskan, uh, um, you know, Saint Sojourn. Um, this season for Lillestrøm, eight played, uh, eight starters, sorry, 11 played, no goals. No assists, uh, two big chances created, but really, as you said there, it doesn't seem to have quite worked for him in, in Norway. So we'll see how he does at Elsborg, who, by the way, are really, really struggling um, under Jimmy Tellin, which I did say could potentially happen. And a lot of fans are unhappy about the club at the moment and um, some poor results. But uh, yeah, I think we're going to leave it there, aren't we, Steve? Is there anything else you wanted to talk about before we, before we move on? No, no. Oh, I did want to mention Fantasy Elite Serian. I'm going to do a video this week for all you where. Uh, Fantasy fans out there waiting for my opinion recently. It's been a while, so I, I do promise a video this week. There you go. It's on record now. He's promised a video. He's promised a blog. So it's going to be Meat Man Soccer Week this week, which I'm very excited about. Um, we'll be back for another show soon because we have an exclusive interview coming for you, which we'll be excited to bring you. So stay tuned. And don't forget, you can follow us on Twitter at NordicFootPod uh, and also like us on Facebook, Nordic Football Podcast. You can also subscribe and join us on Patreon for some exclusive content, uh, patreon.com slash Nordic Football Podcast. If you want to help us with the price of maybe a, buy us a pint every week or buy you know a meat pie for Meat Man Soccer um, with your contribution. And yeah, we'll be back for another show quite soon, I think. So yeah, there's a lot of big games, as we said, in Europe. Um, big tasks for some teams ahead to, to really try and get through to those group stages, the lucrative group stages. And um, we'll be backing them all the way and following it. So 
hope to be back soon for another episode. Steve, thanks very much for joining us. We will see you soon. Goodbye. Goodbye, everyone. Take care.